This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue and Sean Fitz with you as we get to the final stretch of May. Hope you all have nice weekends planned ahead of us. Uh, But we start things off here on a Monday afternoon with this recording session and serve up some good news. You probably saw this in our coverage at Lions 24-7 going into last weekend, but Caden Saunders locking things up with his Penn State commitment. He had posted something on Twitter on Monday morning saying he was locked in. He was looking to lead the class. Uh, was able to reach out to his father, have a conversation to get some clarity there. And uh, it means exactly what you might think it does. He will not be using uh, visits to other campuses during this official visit period in June. When you heard him on our podcast this spring, we covered a lot of ground. One thing we didn't get an answer on from Caden was about those official visits and if he was going to explore possibilities. Sounds like he was considering that up until really the the tail end of last week, Sean, um, had a conversation with the Penn State staff, had a conversation with his family and opted to say uh, committed to Penn State ahead of anybody in this 2022 class and he plans to see it through without really tempting himself but by stepping foot on other campuses. As far as May recruiting news goes, that's this is pretty huge. This is this is a really big win for Penn State because this is a kid that had numerous options. Alabama came in, Florida State's been pressing, Notre Dame's always always been uh, you know part of this mix. When you've got speed like that, everybody's going to want you. He's obviously a very skilled kid, went out to the rivals camp, won uh, receiver MVP. So he's certainly staying on the radar. Um, it's not it's not hard to find Caden Saunders these days if you're a school. Um, but he's he's really been been solid to Penn State. And we weren't sure what was going to come with this. Um, this June visit window, because you definitely can make an argument that these kids should get out and check out these other schools. Um, but obviously Penn State doesn't want them to do that. No, the schools that have them committed don't want them to do that. Uh, that's not just a Penn State thing. Uh, but no, it's it, it's a really big win to uh, sort of sell what they're doing, especially with the new offensive coordinator. He's been on he's been on board for a long time, but he's a very you know nobody's going to tell him no, basically. So uh, really really big win for James Franklin and this crew to 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 get him you know just solidified and still a long way to go in the cycle. So you always have to deal with that, but just to, he was the one uh, out of these 10 commits that you're like, okay, he's probably going to have the opportunity to do what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And you probably can't say much. So to get that locked down, I think it's a big win for Penn state. Last summer, Caden Saunders put out his list of finalists as he was reaching a decision, ultimately picking Penn State in July, becoming the first commitment of the 2022 class for the Nittany Lions. The other schools on that list of finalists were Arizona State, Michigan, TCU, and West Virginia. And you look at the complexion of his offer list and how that has changed since then, Sean. You know, Oregon offers during his senior or during his junior season, which was just fantastic at Westerville South High School, Florida State enters the mix this winter. So does Texas A&M. And the big one here in February that I think gave him some relative pause about, you know, seriously considering 
visiting other campuses, taking that next step forward with the recruitment elsewhere was Alabama. It's it's if you're a wide receiver right now and Alabama comes calling and, and is making a push for you, it doesn't take much of a Google search to figure out that may be a good spot for you to end up. Uh, the national championship stuff aside, uh, the, the history there of, of being on the winning program aside, you want to make money four years down the line and you want to put yourself in that position. It's worked out really well for top wide receiver prospects. Uh, and I, and I know Jalen Waddle's name came up in conversations between Alabama and Caden Saunders and just kind of filling in some details here. That was, I think that the moment and the offer I know Notre Dame has been mentioned in the past, Florida state in the past, if there was any team that was going to really shake things up for Penn state and make them nervous here, I think it was Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide looking to make their move. And I think that's why for him to close that chapter of this process as he gets towards that December early signing period, just a massive, massive win for Penn state. It might seem, well, what is this? It's a commitment recommitting. View it however you want, but Caden Saunders hadn't been able to visit anywhere for 15 months, right? He, he took an unofficial, unofficial to Penn State at, at one point last season. But this is a kid who had a lot of schools that were get, ready to roll out the red carpet for him. And considering the circumstances, I've said this before, can't, don't think you can really blame him. Says something about where he is with the Penn State staff, with Taylor Stubblefield, with James Franklin. But I think also it says something about his desire to, to, to get to campus in January as an established leader of his class. He took that very personal being, being the first guy on board. He has been an active peer recruiter. And I think he realized if he's visiting other campuses and then also trying to spin off a sales pitch on behalf of Penn State, those two things aren't going to mesh. Now he can go out, he can sell the class, he can sell the program, and he can do so without any kind of strings attached. Yeah. And this is, this is a relationships thing and it's a big for James Franklin and Stubblefield and those guys, but also this is a situation where, you know, we we looked at the class, it was a couple of months ago, you and I looked at the class and what could potentially happen when things open up in June. And I believe uh, Mr. Saunders reached out to you afterward and said, you guys kind of nailed it. Like, there's no reason for us to say that we're not taking visits because, you know, we want to keep our options open because this is something that has happened to our family before, say there's a coaching change or something like that. So he, he reached out to us and said, you know, you're essentially not going to shut it down for him to make this step that, that, that actually says, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk with, you know, words and action, your words versus actions and things like that. But this, this would seem to lend some credence to, Hey, they're, they're all on board and they're ready, they're ready to get going. And that's, that's just huge for Penn state because this is a guy that, you know, you can put in that handler category and you can't really do that with many, many prospects. He's got the speed. Um, he's got uh, so many things that you like about his game and you can plug him in there and hope that he can contribute early. And that's uh, not something you can say about all the receivers Penn state's brought in in the last couple of years. So I, I think that this has been, um, you know, one that they've wanted to lock down from a, I guess a greedy perspective from Penn state. Cause that's what you do when you have guys committed, but for him to do that ahead of official visit season, it does give you a little bit of a buzz, a little bit of a, um, a boost to the reputation for other guys that are looking at your school. Saunders um, also is a guy who is very passionate about baseball. Um, he's not going to pursue both sports in college unless that has changed. But based on our previous conversations, loves baseball, but but football is his future. And, and that's where his focus will be when he gets to campus. Uh, but he's going to get a chance now to, to, to focus on finishing out his junior year of high, uh, of baseball at the high school level. He won't be on, on, on a high school uh, team next year. He'll be in spring football. So this is his last run with guys he grew up with. He's also got summer baseball. So he's able to kind of enjoy this last hurrah as a high school sports athlete rather than trying to to you know trying to kind of 
keep Penn State staff feeling good while talking to other staffs and trying to juggle all that. And I know that his father, Anthony, um, just felt really proud about Caden making the decision and um, having to take a mature step here. I think one thing that was important that this family was able to do without knowing that a pandemic was going to roll through was his freshman year into his sophomore year, Sean, they logged a ton of miles, a, a long list of college campuses, power five football programs, facilities that they were able to spend time at um, whether it was for official recruiting uh, events or just being able to get to campus and get a feel for it. There are so many players in this 2022 class that we've talked about who have never been on any campus. And this is their big moment coming up it was huge to have that homework kind of already done and filed away for, for the Saunders family. Cause they can get to this point. And while there are unknowns out there and there may be, you know, should we go down this path and explore another campus or get a little closer with this recruiting staff? I think it made it easier for them to tap the brakes on that and say, Nope, it's Penn state. It's been Penn state because they do have that history of actually getting out and about and, and accruing all those miles on the road. And that worked from both ends this way in, in this recruitment, because not only does Saunders get on the radar early and, and visit these schools and things like that, but he also developed that relationship with Penn state early. I know during his, uh, the early part of his high school years, there was, you know, some turbulence in terms of uh, receiver coaches, you know, Jared Parker, he was close with before he went to West Virginia. It's the reason West Virginia was on uh, that list. So uh, they've been able to keep it close with the Penn State staff, despite some revolving doors at spots in the recruiting uh, in, the, in the recruiting wing of that building um, with the wide receivers coach. They were able to keep that relationship with James Franklin. And that's, I think, really what what um, solidified his his commitment here, and that's uh, that's a big step in the right direction. It says good good things about that, and and I think it says you know this. It, it's not the the shining example of this, but I'm excited to see what James Franklin can do now that he can you know reconnect with these guys on campus. Mm. That's always been his thing. You know they you know he's a little awkward on zoom. You know, you, we've had him in his, in, in the zoom conversations. He's, he's, you know, he's fine, but some, some guys are more dynamic in person and James Franklin is absolutely that. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he, he's able to do this summer. I'm, I'm, you know, after what, 15 months of, of not getting guys on campus. I think it's something he's going to welcome back. And I think he's, you know, he's with his family again, uh, turn the corner in that aspect. And I think, you know, that you, you can have some expectations for some positive results when these guys start to get back on campus. If you run through that checklist of why James Franklin is making the money he's making and why Penn State wants to continue to reinvest in him as the face of the program and the leader uh, for the Nittany Lions, I think not too far down that list, Sean, it's going to be that person interpersonal relationships, the face-to-face uh, relationships that he's, he's able to develop with his staff, with family members, with people in the media, but really with these prospects and their parents, and then kind of seeing it through once those players are on campus and being engaged with parents. I know it probably sets up for, for some, uh, some unnecessary drama at times with parents and, and with family members, but Franklin is kind of all in on families. And I think to be able to get them here together in front of him, it's right in his wheelhouse. And it's something that I think was sorely missing uh, from their recruiting efforts last cycle. And, and I think that probably goes down uh, throughout the staff. James Franklin is, is going to go out and try to hire some guys that, that have those tendencies as well that, that he sees in himself. And so I think this is a golden opportunity. Can we just say Taylor Stubblefield without getting any chance to get face to face with these guys uh, as a Penn State coach has put together and now maintaining a really impressive wide receiver class that still has room to grow? 
he's coming he's come a long way since Beltgate, definitely. And uh, yes. he's done a, re- done a really good job, did a good job in the 2021 class, uh, continues to move that way in the next couple of cycles. Just as a reminder, Penn State, the number six class in the 2022 class rankings by 24-7 sports, 10 commits, seven of them are four stars by the composite. My, my thing here is, have they weathered this storm where we've talking about uh, or we've been talking about commits that would go out, potentially visit other schools and things like that? I'm looking at this commit list and with Caden Saunders was one of the question marks seems to be, you know, solid. Now you're only looking really maybe drew Shelton down at IMG. Uh, Cause he's, you know, a phenomenally talented kid that still has Florida, Georgia, Notre Dame, some of those other schools after him. Um, he's still solid to Penn state, but you still have to ask that question because he is not in Downingtown anymore. It, obviously he's playing on a national stage. He's right there with Tyler Booker, who some of those schools on um, Shelton or that are still coming after Shelton, still coming after Tyler Booker as well. So uh, you never know what's going to happen there, but he's slated to be on campus the June 18th weekend. All the other guys are going to be up to the 25th. So it seems like Penn state's done a really good job in, in keeping those guys content, I guess you would say, and, and, and keeping those guys excited about Penn state, they're all going to be on campus at the end of June. Wouldn't be shocked if a few of them made it up to campus in early June, just check things out to see some, some buddies and things. And I think peer recruiting, um, because you don't have that face-to-face contact peer recruiting online has been so big for this, uh, this group right now. Saunders has been a big part of that. And I think as the top rated player in this class and, and a guy who had a bunch of offers as a freshman and a sophomore in high school for him to make this decision and, and guys see what is at his fingertips, uh, what he could be planning as, as far as a, a wide national level travel itinerary to see him say, no, my focus is solely on getting to Happy Valley as much as possible between now and enrollment and also helping my high school football team and high school baseball team. Does that set a precedent? Does that maybe somebody who was kind of on the fence? I don't want to specifically name anybody else in the class because we haven't heard that, which is also impressive on Penn State standpoint. But if there is somebody else saying, do I want to venture to another school or two? Uh, maybe it's a school within driving distance. Maybe it's a four hour flight to get to that school. Do you see Caden Saunders do what he's doing, firm, firming things up with your class and say, you know, why don't I follow suit? Like, let, let's let's roll. Let's keep things moving toward Penn State. We've gotten this far. Why not keep moving forward? And one thing that's been very quiet in terms of guys planning, coordinating other visits and and with Caden Saunders being the one that we've kind of had the big question mark over. Now that that's resolved, I do wonder if it has a bit of a, a chain effect across the class, because if he's looking to establish himself as a leader, you know, he lead by example. Does that resonate with other guys who who maybe have been wavering? And let's not be naive here. You know, somebody may pop up on somebody else's campus. I don't think it's going to be eight or 10 guys going elsewhere this June, which, you know, some classes may, may have that. I mean, it's, it's so crazy that when you think about all the time that they miss with these visits, um, a lot of guys, you know, want to go through the recruiting process, do that kind of thing. So I think, you know, it, it would be crazy to say that they're going to go 10 for 10 and guys not, uh, not checking out other schools, but the situation that they're in seems pretty good. And even when you think about it, guys like Jerry Cross, who, is in Wisconsin, has never been to Penn State. You know, he's going to take his official at the end of June. For that to stick and for that to be where it's at right now, in which he seems like he's one of the strongest commitments in that class, one of those big peer recruiters, obviously connected with a guy like Ken Talley from Philly, you know, obviously two, two different parts of the country. 
um, that tells me that there's excitement there and that that that's being um, sort of uh, passed along by the guys he's talking to, whether that be, you know, Ty Howell, the tight ends coach, or any of those staff members, the recruiting staff, Kenny Sanders, heard great things about what Alan Zemitis has done so far. So there seems to be some sort of excitement, some sort of buzz, and some sort of reason for those guys to um, not only be solid, but be excited about getting out here and getting other guys to campus. You've got what six guys who are Pennsylvania high school products, and I'm including Shelton in that conversation. I'm, I'm sure the Penn State staff, although they know he's going to get an excellent competition, and excellent uh, skill work uh, down at IMG, wouldn't mind having him tucked away at a public high school in Pennsylvania, probably from a recruiting standpoint. But including him and Tyrese Mills, who's now at Lackawanna, but, but comes out of Philadelphia, to have six out of these 10 be Pennsylvania prospects, that really makes you feel good about weathering that storm and coming into June and having that foundation intact. And then out there, you know, in, in, in the shadow of Ohio Stadium near Columbus, you've got Caden Saunders linking up with Drew Aller out of Ohio. And, and you wonder what that potential could look like for Penn State between the two of them moving ahead. Um they're in a good spot right now, Sean. I think they're probably in a better spot than you thought they might be without being able to have visits and without being able to have camps. And they are firmly, in my opinion, you know, set for launch in June in terms of building out this 2022 class, um, getting the peer recruiting going, and additionally, starting to get the ball rolling a bit more uh, with the 2023 class and, and finding out some who may be some early leaders for them in, in that kind of target situation. Yeah, they've already had one commitment from the 2023 class and one D commitment as Mega Barnwell, uh, you know, the step back on his pledge, which we've talked about before. I had no, no problem with that because he committed so early. He's actually going to be on campus in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, we're, before we get to 2023, we're kind of in a, 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 not a dead spot with 2022, but you're coming back around, you're going to camp season. Um, Penn State has, and I just opened this up on my, uh, on my laptop here, Penn State has 359 offers out to 2022 prospects. And obviously not all those guys can commit. Not all those guys are even in contact with Penn State anymore. It's just funny to think that that's such a a wide net being cast. Um, But now you're in a situation where you're kind of, you filtered out which guys are legitimate targets for the most part. You filtered out which guys are coming for officials um, and things like that. Now you've got your camps coming up. So it's kind of, going back to where these offers mean something. So if you, if you're sending out 2022 offers, um, you know, they start to, to, especially in the region, they start to mean a little bit more because you're sort of on this line between that May and June when things kind of change there. So um, they offered Tyler Johnson last week, a wide receiver in rural Virginia. I think he had like 14 touchdowns in three games uh, during his spring season or some ridiculous number. Um, he's, he's turned around, set up an official visit. They, they offered uh, Deerfield Academy wide receiver, Alec Ayumanor. And, and I probably said that wrong and I apologize to him, um, but we're going to get a pronunciation on that. And hopefully get that one right. He is at Deerfield Academy in Massachusetts, was at the Petty School in New Jersey. He's actually a Canadian kid from Alberta. Most of the Canadian prospects we talk about um, are, you know, just uh, from, from across the border, uh, Toronto area, Ontario. 
Um, he's from Alberta, so a little bit different. He's, he's put out some workout tapes recently, did not have a junior season, put out some workout tapes. His recruitment has kind of sped up here in the last couple of weeks. He had Iowa and Tennessee official visits, but I think he's going to rework them and sort of reset his recruitment. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him pop up on campus at some point, but it seems like, you know, with, with two or three wide receivers committed, cause we kind of keep Makai flowers on the, on the line right there. Cause we see him as a potential safety, Penn State's still out there looking. And I, and I think a lot of that, you know, you, you're, you're looking at Lonnie White's situation and that, and uh, the major league baseball draft is in uh, mid July. I think July 11th is the first day. So that's going to be looming large on that. Um, you've got official visits set up with Darius Clemens and Christian Driver, who we kind of put in that Makai Flowers category where we think he can be a darn good safety, but they're recruiting him as a, as a wide receiver. And then there's some other guys out there, Andre Green, uh, Kevin Coleman, Armani Winfield, Texas commit. So I uh, wouldn't be shocked to see those some of those guys pop up. I think Kevin Coleman's probably a bit of a pipe dream, but he keeps mentioning Penn State. He says the right thing. So I think receiver, as we mentioned with Stubblefield, kind of touched on that earlier. He's sort of building what he wants at that position. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see them throw a little bit more in, in terms of numbers out there if it's the right guys, um, because that's a that's a room that can sort of cultivate its own depth and take care of itself. We're kind of unsure what that room is going to look like past the first four guys this season, but moving forward, I think you, you feel like you're in a comfortable spot. And and if you got to throw numbers at it, that's the, then, then so be it. During recent recruiting cycles, Sean, we've talked about that, that position at receiver being one that you're trying to redirect the recruits focus away from the stat sheet from the previous season. And you're hoping that the people who are recruiting him aren't printing out that Penn State statute or sending you a screenshot of it. This time, you can look back at last year and you see two of your wide receivers up there among Big Ten leaders. One was a true freshman. That means something a little bit different. And, and Jahan Dotson's a guy who you know, made some noise, created some buzz with some of the bigger catches he makes. I think that it will continue into his fourth season on campus. Um, I know they had K.J. Handler before. He was a lightning player, a, a guy that a lot of high school prospects admired and looked up to and wanted to compare themselves to. But with Penn State, your number two wonders, Taylor Stubblefield, how much do you think that is going to facilitate things along with getting guys on campus and along with getting guys in competition for these prospect camps and seven on seven and all that stuff? What do you think the sheer brand of wide receiver at Penn State looks like now versus where it was the last couple cycles? I mean, it's getting there. I, I no, no doubt it's it's not a finished product, but I think uh, Taylor Stubblefield is becoming more of a presence. He's becoming, you know, it, we always talked about with him, uh, sort of the the nomadic lifestyle that he he you know is year to year different jobs. If he could stay in one spot for a couple of years, I th- certainly think he could establish himself as a quality recruiter. The technician thing, I think, is really what they've gotten across: is come here, um, you know, get developed. You could play early, but also get developed. It's kind of a a double-edged sword there because it's, it's you, you know, you think about getting developed and you think about, you know, maybe taking a couple of years to sort of own, own your craft or something like that. Well, Parker Washington comes in right away and, and has a good year, 36 catches for 489 yards and six, six touchdowns. Wow. That's uh that was a little, little bit more than I remember, but I try to forget a lot of that 2020 season as I think a <laughs> lot of our listeners do as well. Um, but no, you, you've got, some legitimate buzz around Taylor Stubblefield. I'm interested to see what he's like at camps uh, to, to see if we got 2023 receivers that are coming in to check out um, how he coaches, how he works and things like that. So I think there's, there's a lot to like there. There's um, certainly, like we said, he's come a long way since his, uh, his arrival at Penn state. And 
I mean, you, you got to look at the on-field, uh, you know, the recruiting. It seems like it's 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 fallen into place for Taylor Stubblefield. I think that's pretty cool considering the, the criticism that he faced early on. He was the fourth receivers coach in four years for Penn State. Some different personalities there, different recruiting uh, impact from some of those different coaches and certainly different on-field products. But everything we've seen from Stubblefield to this point before prospect camps, uh, it looks like a very strong hire for James Franklin, of course, uh, remains the all-time Big Ten receptions leader, uh, something that's nice to be able to, to point to. But he's getting it done uh, on the field for Penn State. Sean, I would say that the next step would probably be produce a, a high-level NFL draft prospect. What, what what lies ahead for Jahan Dotson? We'll find out. And then, you know, what can you do with this next freshman class? You got some talent coming in. Does another true freshman make an impact? Can DeAndre Lambert Smith make a name for himself? That would contribute toward it. But a lot of time spent here on wide receiver, uh, headlined by Caden Saunders. Our coverage from that Caden Saunders decision and our conversation uh, with his father, Anthony, is up online, 247.com. So go give that a read for, for a little bit more detail on what Saunders brings to the class and what helped lead to this decision. When we come back here on the Lions 24-7 podcast, um, a quick note on the quarterback transfer portal. Um, I refresher on who's recruiting where on the Penn State staff and we'll finish things off with our five-star mailbag right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we keep things moving here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Uh, one note here from the transfer portal, TJ Finley was a name we mentioned last week on the podcast um, as he was looking for a, uh, a new home after venturing out of LSU, a former three-star prospect, a six-foot-six, 250-pound athlete. So some intrigue there with a lot of eligibility left. He announced right before we sat down to record on Monday, going to Auburn, uh, Penn State was among the few that, that was mentioned as a contender. Sean kind of said, don't get your hopes up last week. If you didn't, then you're in good shape. If you got your hopes up, though, then I'm sorry to break the news to you. But TJ Finley remaining in the SEC, not coming to Penn State. We'll keep tabs on that quarterback transfer market because it could still pertain to PSU in the months ahead. But we bring it back to recruiting, Sean, because right now it's so important. Coaches are going to be able to get eyeballs on these kids. You're trying to get kids to campus because they're going to have a lot of options for prospect camps to attend in the region, outside of the region. And when we talk about, okay, well, what is the region for Penn State right now and, and who's overseeing the process? When you have so much of the coaching staff shuffle that we've seen since the last time prospects could even get to campus, it bears a refresher. And, and who better than yourself, Mr. Fitz, to provide that fresher? I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a refresher just moving into June because you know, you, you're going to see guys coming from out of the region, possibly for officials or even 2023 guys to camp. So it's nice to, to sort of 
uh, pick and choose and, and, and match up who's recruiting them. So n- not huge moves for Jay one Sider in the off season. Obviously Florida is a big uh, South Florida is a big spot for him um, taking more of a role in Northern Virginia and rich in the Richmond area. He's sort of been down that 95 corridor between uh, Northern Virginia and Richmond before, but he's moved down into Richmond and, and, and you know, you've, you've got uh, certain opportunities there. Andre green, we mentioned him a little bit earlier, um, but not huge moves there. I think the big move is putting, um, Anthony Poindexter in Baltimore, DC, Prince George's County, um, where we've heard he's got a very good reputation there. He hasn't been able to get out and get into these schools. Like, you know, you would, you would think this would have more of an impact, but he's going to have those relationships. He's going to be able to get in there also has, um, let's see Detroit and Indianapolis uh, Taylor Stubblefield, who we just talked about on the other side of the break um, into the Philly burbs. Uh, Terry Smith, of course, is in Philly. He's been there for about a year now, um, but also New York city in Connecticut for Stubblefield. Um, John Scott moving out of Charlotte, more into Atlanta he has Virginia beach as well. Um, and Ty Howe, and this is kind of the, the, the angle that we're getting into Ty Howe is in the DMV. He's got some of Tyler Bowen's old territory down there. Uh, York, uh, he's got Nashville, and then into Charlotte and Raleigh Durham, um, the, the, obviously the hot spots in North Carolina. Uh, Hal is a fun North Carolina native, so I think Penn State sort of with the connections that they have down there have 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 started moving toward offering more guys, having better relationships down there, and sort of putting an added emphasis on the state. Um, will that result in commitments? That is really tough to say right now. Is kind of in the infant stages of, of this, but. North Carolina is really hot right now. Um, the University of North Carolina is really hot right now. Um, so it's going to be tough to pull those top-level guys out of there. Obviously, Omarion Hampton is the big guy in 2022. He's going to visit in June for an official visit, probably still give the edge to North Carolina here. But that official visit will be big for him. Um, but no, they've, they've started to move back into that area. They haven't had a ton of success there. They had a commitment last year from Diego Pounds, albeit a silent commitment. So they got into Carolina a little bit, but not all that much. Uh, 2023 is is shaping up to be another good class there. They've got offers out to, I think, uh, like eight of the top 10 prospects in North Carolina, and and they've gotten some reciprocal interest here. So uh, Rico Walker is a, a 2023 defensive end. I think he's either just on the edge of the top 100, just outside of it. Um, he's going to be up visiting in June. Uh, a couple of really good wide receivers who we like down there, um, Christian Hamilton and, and Noah Rogers. Both those guys are expected to be up in June. Rogers was the uh, alpha dog at the UC report in Charlotte that Brian Doan was at over the weekend. Um, they just offered, uh, <laughs> this is funny, they just offered Jamal Jarrett, who you know is about 6'5", 3'10", huge kid. Um, you know, he sees himself as, as a defensive tackle. Most schools are going to eventually see him as an offensive lineman. They just offered him last week. So they're hoping to get him up, uh, next, uh, next month. Dalen Smothers, really, really good running back is going to come up this summer, hopefully work out with, with Jay one Sider. He's a kid that holds Penn state in, in pretty high regard for, uh, you know, for being sort of on the edge of that region or just outside of the region. And then Grant Tucker, who we have listed as a receiver slash outside linebacker, which to me says he's an outside linebacker could also visit next month as well. Sean, you talk about a lot of, of uh, the, the neighboring States, the border States where it, when you have a class like this in 2022, and I know you had some 2023 guys listed where Penn state already has, you know, the aforementioned in-state presence. You know, there have been some recent cycles where you didn't see five in-state offers, you know, at this time of the cycle already. And you've got what five guys committed plus the Juco kid from your home state. Do you think that impacts uh, their, their, 
non non home state approach at all? I mean, how how does it help that it, that that they're able to lean on a strong twenty twenty two class in this cycle of all with the inability to get out to these high schools and these high and 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 be walking through those doors like you normally would at different stages of the year? Oh, no question about it. And especially, I mean, here's the thing. I mentioned what three hundred and fifty nine offers in this class. So all this recruitment is taking place via Zoom. All this recruitment is you know sort of building relationships over the com- same computer screen that you and I are talking right now. So. Uh, it's it's very tough to do so. So Penn State kind of you know is is in a fortunate position because of the talent they have at home. Not only those guys that they have the six commits in the 2022 class, but obviously Nick Singleton a big target, Keenan Nelson a big target. Um, you're looking in, in in the surrounding areas, you know North Jersey with the guys at, at Bergen Catholic and Jaden Golden and Jaden Bellamy. Um, you know you've you've got some things that you can lean on and and really it's it's made. This, this cycle has made for um, a chance to maybe get out and see more or talk to more coaches. So say, for example, so Adam Brenneman's doing a lot in this area right now and probably what one out of 10 kids that he's talking to in this area, maybe is going to get out there and eventually visit. So it's nice to be in that situation where you've got some buzz and you're talking to these prospects and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be tough to get out and and visit. So you're looking at fringe areas, um, you know, Virginia, North Carolina, some parts of Ohio and things like that, sort of in the middle there, because you can get to Penn State in less than a day in a drive, you can fly, you know, if you, if you really wanted to do that, you could fly as well. Um, but, uh, I think that that's probably kind of a sweet spot where you can maybe be on the edge of, Hey, this, this place is too far from home, but at the same time, and eh, my parents can get there if they want to. So I think that's really the, the thing that you are probably meshing more than, than you did, uh, pre this zoom recruiting era. Well, one of those sweet spots of like close, but not too close has been New Jersey for Penn State. And there's been years where they've been able to scalp off the top of that New Jersey class and they end up at Happy Valley. Um, and, and then there's years more recently where it has been some turbulence in Penn State trying to produce success in the Garden State. We know they've got some guys from that state coming to campus. Me being a native, you know, I'm always curious about it. You've covered a lot of Penn State over the years. Where is their health right now from a recruiting standpoint in the Garden State? It seems like it's better than a couple of years ago, but not as good as it was three or four years ago. It's definitely in recovery mode. Um, you know, they, they went away for a while there. Um, it was also, it hasn't been the offer rich, talent rich state that we've seen in the last couple of cycles. Um, you know, they've got 10 offers out right now in New Jersey and I'm looking at like, you know, four or five of them maybe could, 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 you know, jump on board. Even if, if that's the number, I actually just scrolled down further. Um, and I don't see that. So again, Bellamy is a Jaden Bellamy at Bergen Catholic, a big target, Jaden Gould, um, things check out there. could be a big target. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's certainly not the situation where you think, okay, you're going to, you know, you're a Jersey kid, Penn state's the big, uh, quote unquote beast from the East, uh, as it has been for years, it just hasn't really worked out like that. So you, like I mentioned, you got, uh, Stubblefield in New York City, uh, Phil Troutwine in North Jersey, Terry Smith's taken over in South Jersey, and I think Stubblefield's in, in some Central Jersey as well. So they've made an effort, um, and I don't think that's something that's going to happen overnight. 
Uh, moving forward from that conversation, Sean. And, how, and, how did uh, you turn a North Carolina conversation into a Jersey conversation? Uh, Everything's about Jersey with you. You've known me long enough. I can turn any conversation into a Jersey <laughs> conversation. Um, let's get to our five-star mailbag. Um, after plenty of recruiting talk, it's only fair that we finish with some more recruiting uh, notes here. And, and the question goes as follows. There have been so much focus on June official visits, but how will the expected return of a Beaver Stadium crowd impact recruiting this fall? Oh, huge, man. Just absolutely huge. I mean, you you kind of suck the atmosphere out with last year and and you kind of see, you, you you see what you get. And that's uh not uh not it's obviously not black and white as black and white as I just made it out to be, but you get those guys there especially for an opportunity like if you have the whiteout against Auburn, that's an early season that's a chance for you to get these guys on campus early, a chance for them to be surrounded by, you know, crazy people. I mean, you you look at the commit lists over the years and those guys have it's it's been a lot of guys that have popped up on campus a bunch and it's not just bring them in for an official visit uh, as seniors it's guys who maybe tagged along with teammates or something like that went to a whiteout when they were a freshman or a sophomore or something like that and then all of a sudden you know you you kind of get hooked and it's it's one thing that you want to keep coming back for so just having fans there makes all the difference in the world. That's a big building. Not, not that recruits were there last year, but that's a big building to be empty. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, I don't know if you watched the Knicks game last night, the crowd was there and they were uh, prevalent, even though the Knicks, the Knicks lost, but just to have those people there just makes for a completely di- different atmosphere. And I think, you know, if you're playing the 2020 season, obviously, um, this is all complete hindsight, speculation, BS, whatever. But if you're playing the 2020 season again and you have fans, I do think it makes a difference. That home field advantage is real. And we've seen it through throughout the last couple of – actually, since James Franklin showed up, um, even before that, it's been such um, – you know, it's been an ace in the back pocket for Penn State, and they've been able to use that with recruiting. They've been able to use that. I mean, we talked to um, prospects, or I talked to a prospect at, at Under Armour, and the first thing he brought up with Penn State was that, um, you know, the, the Michigan opening sequence where Michigan had to call a timeout. I mean, you, you take that out of the equation, it, it, it's tough. So, um, you know, just getting the coaches on campus, or excuse me, getting the players on campus, getting them in front of the coaches, and then putting a crowd behind it. Yeah, it's a little bit different than what we've been seeing the last 15 years or I've 15 heard, months. Sorry. Sean, I've heard that from three or four different recruits in the past year mentioning Shea Patterson taking that timeout, uh, the first offensive play for Michigan in, yeah, in the last time clips, we saw a whiteout. So. <laughs> yeah, they need some fresh clips. Um, but, but yeah, I think that there's just this is one of those marquee events across college athletics, across American sports. When, when people say, what building do you want to be in for what event? A lot of people, when they think college sports or, or college football, are going to say whiteout Beaver Stadium. I mean, you saw Auburn fans, you know, when they saw, okay, primetime matchup early in the season, SEC, Big Ten, let, let's do the whiteout. Like, they want to experience it. They want to see their team playing it. And be careful what you wish, maybe, for the Auburn Tigers. But this is such a, a setting for recruiting. And it's not just the game itself. It's it's all the pageantry that, that these recruits see take place in, um, you know, in a pre-COVID world. That meant being right there, front and center, getting your handshake by James, getting a hug really from James Franklin as he's walking into Beaver Stadium with the with the fans all above you and people snapping photos and and a game what, two hours away from kickoff that everyone's going to be focusing in on at home. So I think you made a good point here, though. It's we're going to be talking a lot about the 2022 recruits who are coming up on their signing day and and getting them inside the stadium for these matchups. But to me, a lot of it is about the sophomores, some of the freshmen, and some of those junior 
juniors in the 2023 class who have never really had an opportunity. You know, when you're a sophomore or a freshman and you haven't really put yourself on the recruiting map, you weren't going to be in that stadium in 2019 just because you were a high school football player. You got to be a pretty high on that priority list to warrant those tickets to get into an event like that. So this is the first time for them. And and it's something that they'll continue to circle back with years down the line. Um, so it, this is a big, big weapon in Penn State's recruiting arsenal. Uh, and it's not like other teams don't have great on home, home field advantages and, and awesome game day atmospheres. But objectively speaking, before I even got here to Penn State, and once people found out I was covering Penn State, I had people saying, wait till your first whiteout, wait till your first whiteout. And that was from far beyond the Penn State community. I knew about it watching from home on TV years ago. So think about what it must mean for a recruit right now to, to get that kind of VIP treatment in a stage like that. It makes it a lot easier to imagine yourself running out of the tunnel as a Penn State player than if you're watching that all go down on TV. Yeah, that's a that's what a top two or three experience in college football. If you ask, you know, the national uh, you know, fans all over the country and Penn state's not a top two or three program in the country. I mean, you, you don't have that signature moment, even at some of those programs, you know, so, or that signature game or, or whatever you want to say, you know, you, you talk about going to death Valley and things like that, but Penn state, that experience is, is ahead of where the program is in national perception, obviously. Um, so that's, that's a big deal. And that's getting, getting that, uh, getting that across to prospects. And, and another thing is if you, if you follow, you know, recruiting on social media and things like that, whenever that Herb Street clip pops up where he's panning the audience in the whiteout and everything like that, there's a spike in, in, you know, interest in Penn state and it might not be noticeable or anything like that, but you see a lot of guys, a lot of prospects that, you know, maybe have Penn state on the fringe or something they're, they're retweeting it. They're liking it and all that stuff. That is, you know, a, a, a little bit of a wave of, of interest there. So I think that they continue to sell that, um, continue to sell the, the, the fans in the, in the crowd and uh, a couple of big home games this year, you know, especially with the Auburn in, uh, in September and then Michigan later on. So you're going to get a chance to do that a couple of times. It might not be the whiteout, but you're going to have a chance to have some some pretty darn good atmospheres uh, in Beaver Stadium, which coming off the last uh, year plus, uh, I think it'll be very welcome. Indiana heading to town in early October. I think that will be one that the fans are fired up for. So there's going to be uh, any any game day atmosphere right now sounds pretty amazing after going without that for Trying a not year. To take it for granted. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and so when I put myself from the perspective of a 16, 17 year old who's who's chomping at the bit to get to any kind of college recruiting event, and that's an opportunity on the table. Yeah, that's huge for Penn State, and uh, and I, I think if you're a Penn State fan. There's just when you look forward in this recruiting cycle, Sean, the obstacles have been overcome. The only thing you're worried about, the the only thing you have to worry about is is the win loss column. That that's that's it right now. That if that can impact you one way or the other, how the team performs in the field. But what you have been able to, and, and you said this earlier, weathering the storm, you should feel good because Penn State's about to have opportunities that they haven't had. And those opportunities categorically down the line should be positive opportunities. That pesky little win-loss record. It's like uh, early. It's an important put, one. It's early when you put the Alabama national championships in a separate cat and, like, and put it to the side. Like that's with uh, those aside. Yeah, so wins, losses, national championships. Just minor details here on our college football podcast. Hey, depending on who you're recruiting for, those need to be minor details if you want to get guys to your program. Penn State's in a good spot right now, though, Sean, as we've been discussing. Uh, what is your general vibe as, as, as we wrap up the show here with the visits coming? The staff, I mean, this has been an opportunity they've waited for. 
do you feel like there's going to be some initial rustiness to recruiting in such a large facet because a lot of new hires, people who haven't done this together before, or do you think it's more, let's go, let's hit the ground running, let's get these guys on campus? I think it's more let's go. I mean, there's there's going to be guys that, you know, like Zamitis, who's coming from a much smaller atmosphere, a college atmosphere, he's going to have to learn how these go. But you've got, you know, Destiny Rodriguez is still here. She does a fin- fantastic job. Andy Frank is is organizational machine. Kenny Sanders has been here before and has done it before. I think that's probably something we overlook is that he's done this before and he's got, you know, sort of this, the secrets of how this works. So, um, you know, without saying anything about, you know, the guys that aren't here anymore, I think you've got a little uh, rejuvenated, you, you've got a rejuvenated staff and you've got a chance to, to make that work. And there might be a little rust, but I think probably the worry is maybe you throw, you, you throw too much at them accidentally, you know, right off the bat. So I, I, I'm not too worried about that. They've got guys that have done this before, whether it's been at Penn state or not. And I think it's, uh, I think it's going to pay off. I think they're going to see an exciting June. Well, one week from today uh, is May 31st, and that will be the final day of a 15-month emergency dead period put in place by the NCAA. It's about to end. We're about to have plenty to talk about on this podcast, although we, we certainly filled a lot of time today. Um, that's going to do it for Sean and myself. Head over to Apple Podcasts, leave your five-star rating and review to get into our next mailbag, and we'll take that topic uh, as long as we can and uh, throughout the offseason. Uh, on behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler. Thank you, for, as always, for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll back with another episode later this week.